Tonight, after what seems like a long break, at least to me it does, uh, we are back in our study tonight, Why a Baptist? We are looking at what it means to be a Baptist uh, follower of Jesus Christ. Now, after this long of a break, uh, as we start back, I want to remind us of two things tonight, and this will be a, a foundation stone moving forward for the rest uh, of our study. The first thing is this, I want to remind us, our goal is not to be a Baptist. That is not our goal. That's not what we're promoting here. Uh, our goal is not to be a Baptist or any other denomination, but rather our goal is to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. That is our desire. That is what we seek as people trying to follow Jesus Christ. We want to follow him. We want to walk with Christ and we want to serve Christ exactly as is prescribed to us in scripture. And so understand that. What is our mission? What is our goal? What is our heart? We want to walk with Christ. We want to serve Christ exactly as he tells us in the New Testament. We're not seeking anything or, or something other than to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Now we need to be sure of that. Uh, we need to be quick to say that. We need to be reminded of that. Am I? Are we loyal to some title? Are we loyal to some grouping of people, some uh, political affiliation of churches? No, we're loyal to Jesus Christ and following him as he has told us in the New Testament. So that's the first thing. We need to understand that. We need to be sure of that as we move through our study. The second thing is this, and it's equally important. The second thing is this. We need to be sure. We need to be ready to say it. Doctrine does matter. Doctrine does matter. What we hold as truth absolutely does matter. Today, many say that we should set aside uh, anything that would divide us or anything that we would disagree on and just declare today that we're all the same. You see many folks doing that. You see that as a trend just to say, well, if there's a disagreement on something, we're going to set that aside, and we're just going to say we're all the same. Today, our culture loves that. Today, our politically correct world absolutely loves that. Well, guess what? Here's the truth. We are not the same when it comes to the dividing line of the truth based upon God's word. And if there is a deviation from the word of God on matters of truth, we have a couple of choices. We can either resolve it, we can sit down, we can pray, we can open up the scriptures, and if there's a deviation from what we believe the scripture's telling us, we can resolve that, or we can separate on matters of truth. Now, that's an unpopular thing to say, but we can actually say, we believe the scripture has said this, we believe what that is being, or what you're teaching or embracing is the deviation from that, and we can separate on matters of truth. Doctrine does matter. Get used to hearing that. Doctrine does matter. Do not follow for the fall for the, the, the truth that it doesn't. Doctrine does matter. As part of our study, we've looked at what are known as Baptist distinctives. Now, these are the things that we hold uh, as biblically true as Baptist. Now, if you were to say, what is a Baptist? And, and folks do say that. What is a Baptist? What do Baptists believe? These are the things that we would say unite us as Baptist followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let me say right here, these messages 
are all recorded. They've all been recorded. I believe they are all important. And so if you missed one of them, or if you missed some of them, uh, you can go and you can watch and you can listen to those messages. So again, we've been moving through these Baptist distinctives. So far, we've looked at uh, the starting place, the Bible, uh, how Baptists hold and see the Bible. We, we believe the Bible is in the inspired, inerrant, sufficient word of God. We believe it is central to all that we do uh, in practice, in action, and in faith. The Bible is what informs us. And so as a Baptist, we believe that's the position that the Bible holds. Uh, from there, we looked at the priesthood of the believer, uh, that each person has direct access to God. That's a huge thing to understand. We believe each person has direct access to God. There is no priestly class. There's nobody that we need to go seek out. There's nobody that we need to go, uh, go to. There is no go-between other than the person of Jesus Christ. We believe that. There's no go-between other than the person of Jesus Christ. Part of that, we talked about soul liberty or soul competency. Uh, soul liberty or soul competency. Uh, that is the belief that each individual, listen to these words, each individual has the ability to believe or to disbelieve, to obey or to disobey. Each individual has that ability, and so each individual is responsible. Now, I want to say this, and I want to go on the record of saying it very often. Do not be misled in our day by those who are trying to rewrite history. That is what Baptists have traditionally believed. Uh, Calvinistic or Reformed Baptists have never been the mainstream. We believe each individual has the ability to weigh it out, to decide, to believe, to not believe, to obey, or to not obey. And so we talked about that as well. We also talked about the autonomy of the local church. We talked about the ordinances of the church. Now, there are two ordinances of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We talked about what those mean, uh, how awesome it was on Christmas Eve that we were able to observe both of those uh, in one service. We talked about those. Uh, we talked about a saved and baptized member, membership of the church. To be a member, you profess faith in Jesus Christ. Our body is made up of saved people, and the way that we profess that is through baptism. And so you are baptized into the fellowship of the local church. So we talked about a saved and baptized membership. Uh, after that, the last couple things we looked at, we looked at the two offices of the local church. We believe there are two offices that are ordained by God himself, Christ himself, and that is the office of deacon and the office of pastor. I believe the last time we met uh, and, and discuss this, we looked at in detail the office of pastor. So, so far we've covered all of those topics. Let me say this, they are very important. Uh, we need to know that. I think as the church, we need to know that. And so we need to remind ourselves of those truths. We need to teach our young people those truths. We need uh, to be able to, to explain what it means that we hold as Baptist followers of Jesus Christ. If these things are what we believe the Bible says are involved in our faith and practice 
in the local church, then we better for sure know that's what this means. I think today we say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, we've only got a limited time with our people. Well, there's more pressing things to address. And so very quickly, we are raising maybe a second or third generation that cannot say, these are the reasons that I am a Baptist follower of Jesus Christ. And then we start to fall into the idea, it doesn't matter, it's all the same anyway. We better know the truth of what the Bible says, uh, directing us in our practice in the local church. Tonight we're going to continue picking up on this uh, these subjects of Baptist distinctives. We're going to cover another uh, Baptist distinctive, and that tonight is the subject of eternal security, or what I like to call the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Now, here's the deal. Baptists hold, and they have held the truth that once a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, receiving him by faith, that they are saved. That's what we believe of salvation. We believe once a person has trusted Christ as their Savior by faith, they are saved. And once they are saved, they cannot and they will not and they do not lose their salvation. That is what Baptists believe. And I'll just tell you this. We find great comfort in that truth. We find great joy and assurance in that belief. Now, it is strange to me that Baptists, it may be strange to you to hear this, that Baptists are in an overwhelming minority when it comes to this belief. Most other Christian denominations, most other Christians do not hold this belief. Now, to me, uh, that is a strange thing, and that's a strange statistic, but that is the truth. They believe that you can be saved, and then at some later date, you can decide to reject Christ, or maybe you can sin so terribly, or you can walk away from the faith so as to be lost again. Now, that's the majority of Christian denominations, the majority of Christians. They believe that you can be saved and that you can do something or decide something and walk away from your faith and be lost again. Uh, many folks, you might hear that called falling from grace or a person that has fallen from grace. One time, it's been about 20 years ago, I think about this as, as I was writing this up. Uh, I was riding to town. We were, we were out and we ran into a guy. We were going to go in to, for lunch in town. My dad was with us. And this guy said, hey, I'll go with you. And he jumped in. We were riding the pickup into town uh, to go eat lunch. And I don't know what the conversation was. I don't know what the topic was. But we saw some, some hillbilly-looking people over there. And, and this guy said, oh, those are some of those once saved, always saved people. And <laughs> I remember looking at my dad, and my dad's eyes got real big. Hey, we're some of those once saved uh, always save people. Understand, this is a big deal. It is a foundational thing. It goes back, now stay with me, it goes back to the nature of salvation itself. Why is this a big deal? Why would we say, hey, we'll even separate over this, this, this truth? It goes back to the nature of salvation itself. Now, I want you to follow along with me. How are we saved? We are saved through Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that we are saved through his perfect, sinless life, through his sacrificial death for sin and for sinners, through his miraculous resurrection, he buys our redemption. As we heard this morning, we actually heard it just this morning, salvation is of God and it is totally of God. We are saved because of the grace of God, because of the work of Jesus Christ. Do we earn our salvation? No, there's no way to earn your salvation. Can you work for your salvation? Can you say, I've got these 10 things checked off and I've got four more things, I'll, I'll be there. Can you work for your salvation? No, you're not able to. Are there things to do to achieve your salvation? Maybe God has done this much. Maybe you have some things to complete. No, that's not the truth at all. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and not of any work that we would ever do lest we should boast. And so understand this, how are we saved? Listen very carefully. We're saved by the work and the power of God. Hear that again. How are we saved? We're saved by the work and the power of God. Our God is a God of salvation. In him we have salvation. How are we saved? We're saved by the work and the power of God. God does it. All right, stay with me. So how are we kept saved? We're saved by the work of God and the power of God. How are we kept saved? Listen very carefully. It is also by the work and the power of God. We are kept saved in the same way that we become saved. It is in the power and the work of God. See this. Now think about this. If we have to do things in order to be saved, if we have to keep doing things in order to stay saved, if we have to refrain from doing some other things in order to stay saved, watch this, it becomes a salvation of works. Now think about that. If I got saved and it was all of God, but to stay saved, I gotta keep doing these things, or I've gotta for sure never do these things, or at least not do them to this extent. If, I, if I've got something that I gotta stop doing, it all of a sudden becomes a salvation of works. Our salvation is not a salvation of works. I think it is interesting, many of those who believe you can lose your salvation, they have lots of, lots of the time tied a work to being saved. And so you come over here and they say you can lose your salvation, but if you go back and look at what they believe about salvation, a lot, a lot of the time they've tied a work to it. You have to be baptized, you have to do something to be saved. And so over here they think, well, you did a work to get saved, maybe you gotta do some works to stay saved or church membership, the Catholic church. You gotta, you gotta keep a church membership in order to be saved, or paying penance. You gotta save, but you gotta pay penance, or, or taking the sacraments. Uh, there's something you have to do in order to stay saved. Be very sure tonight, God and his power saves us, and praise the Lord, God and his power keeps us saved. I wanna say that again, we need to, we need to hear it. 
God in his power saves us, and God in his power keeps us safe. I can look at a whole lot of verses now. I'm going to go to John chapter 10. Uh, you, you can listen as I read it. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. Here, here we go. Start to listen to the words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. That's big. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Think about this for a second. What is eternal life? When we, when we trust Christ, we receive eternal life. What is eternal life? Here's, here's a better question. How long is eternal life? Eternal life, by definition, is life that doesn't end. It is eternal. Uh, the, actual, the actual translation is from the ages to the ages. And when you get all the way to the end of the ages, you just turn the quarter into another set of ages. Eternal life is life that does not end. And so listen to me. So if it were to end, it was never eternal life. If you could give it back, if you could sin to such an extent that you, you, you dropped out of it somehow, if there was going to be an end to it, I don't care what the, what the cause of that is, if there's going to be an end, it was never eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 16, it's the exact same language, eternal life. Whoever believes, listen to the verb tense, has eternal life. Go look it up. That word has means possesses. And so they have, the person who's believed, they have, they possess eternal life. The Bible says, and they shall not perish. And so if you have eternal life, it cannot end. It does not end. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be lost. If you believe in Christ, you have, possess, eternal, doesn't end life. That is the truth of Scripture. Over and over we see that through Scripture. Another piece of this, and I'm just going to try to throw some things in there. Another piece of this. When we are saved, here's something else. We have eternal life. But when we are saved, the Bible tells us, teaches us, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, When we are saved, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of redemption unto that day. The, the coming of the Holy Spirit, watch this, seals us until the day of redemption. We are kept safe, sealed until the day of redemption by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. If you could be saved and then be unsaved, Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit leaves. Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit leaves. And that, that's what that would look like, doesn't it? Holy Spirit would come and then, and then it would leave. And it would come and then it would leave. That's not what it says. It says we are sealed. Pretty awesome picture. In that verse in Ephesians, the picture that's used here. Now listen, God chose to use this picture. He is deliberate in using this picture. It is the seal of a king. And that seal would have been placed uh, on a decree. He makes a decree. They would fold that thing up. They would take wax and they would pour it uh, on that. He would press the seal of his ring on it. 
And once the king's seal was set, it was irrevocable. That was his word. And so you go travel 200 miles away, and they haven't seen the king, and they haven't heard from the king, but you got the seal of the king. This is the word of the king. It is irrevocable. That is the picture that God uses. Now, that is the picture that he chooses to use. When we are saved, now the book of Galatians tells us in two places, we're saved by putting our faith in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are sealed, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So you don't know why we're not going to lose our salvation? Because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. There are some who say, well, what about the book of Hebrews? Doesn't Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, say that there is a possibility uh, that we would fall from grace, be unsaved? Now, I've had folks come to my office and say, well, you know what? The book of Hebrews says we can fall from grace. Doesn't it say that? Uh, well, what does that mean? If, it, if it's a possibility, uh, then it means it is potential for us. They're talking about Hebrews chapter 6. They're talking about starting in verse 4. Now, I want you to listen to this. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, they've been sealed, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, and then have fallen away. And so they will say, right there it is. Those folks, they were knowing the, the gospel. They had received it. They had tasted of the good things that come with it. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ. And then they have fallen away. There it is. You can fall from grace. You can be unsaved. Here, here's what I figured out. And I, and I I haven't met an exception yet. Maybe there is. But if you ask any person that I know, can you fall from grace? Can you be unsaved? And they say, yes. If you're to say, well, if you can fall from grace, can you ever come back? And I, I'll tell you, that I, I can tell you that here's what they say. Yes. Well, for sure, that's the goal. That's what we would hope for them, that they would hear the good news. They would, they would be convicted uh, by the scriptures and they would come back and they would say, yes, if, if they had fallen away, they could be saved again. Listen to the verse six again. And then have fallen away. Here's the rest of the verse. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. The, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6 actually says the opposite. If you could fall away, if you could be unsaved, you could never be saved again. It would require Jesus to be crucified another time. I want to go a little bit further for just a second. How... Are we saved? When are we saved? Now, now, just watch this. The Bible is very clear. We are saved by faith in Jesus, by belief. That's what that translates, by trust, by belief. When we believe, and I, I try to preach this every Sunday morning in the invitation, not of anything that we would do, not of any church membership, not in a checklist of rules. When we believe, 
We are saved. What if your sin's great? When you believe you're saved. What if the world doesn't want it? When you believe you're saved. What if you hadn't been in church 44 years? When you believe you are saved. Abraham back in the Old Testament says, and by faith it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In the New Testament, over and over and over again, the whole book of John, in believing we are saved. In believing we are saved. Here's a question. What if a person does walk away? And they say, you know what, I, I reject it. And it appears that they once knew. Or maybe they get so carried away in their sin that they want no part of the word of God. They want no part of the conviction. They want no part of the gospel, so they reject it. They're, they're walking in sin. They're covered up in sin. And they say, well, I don't believe that. I, I reject that. What is that? What is that? Maybe you can think of folks that might match that description. It looks like they left, doesn't it? They, it seems like they knew. It seems like for years they would even testify to it. And, and now it seems like they have left. What, it, what is that? First John says this. First John says if they leave, if they have left, it's because they were never really with us. That's what the Bible says. Here's what we would say as Baptists. They never really, truly believed. They never had a saving faith in Jesus. You see, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing, a saving faith in Jesus. Not the knowledge of Jesus. The Bible says the demons know and they shudder. Not they heard about Jesus. Not the recitation of facts about Jesus. Now they, they may have appeared. It may have looked like it. Uh, many of folks may have been fooled. Jesus even says some of them may have been preachers. They were actually preaching. But now it looks like they've walked away. Brenna has an example that she uses for the kids. And it, it goes something like this. What if I were to say to y'all, we're in my kitchen, and I were to say, you know what, that stove when it gets hot is hot. I would just tell you that. You know that stove, when it gets hot, it's hot. And what if I were to turn on that stove and it gets hot? And what, what if I were to say, you know what, that stove over there, it is hot. Look at it. It's, it's hot. And what if I pointed to it? Look, that stove is hot. What if I got four more people and they came in and said, we testified to that stove. It is hot. And what if I were to ask you, do you believe that stove is hot? So I think most folks would say yes. Now, they might believe it's hot. They might not believe it's hot. But they're going to say they believe it's hot. Everybody's looking at them. Uh, maybe they're not even sure what it means to be hot. And so they would say, yes, that stove is hot. But what if I turned around and they reached over to get some cookies off the stove and they grabbed the stove, and it was, it was red hot, and they touched the stove, guess what they now believe? The stove is hot. Here's the question. And when will they unbelieve that the stove was hot? Here's the deal. They might hate the fact that the stove is hot. They might wish that it weren't so, that the stove weren't hot. But here's this, they know, guess what? They know the stove is hot. 
And when you truly know something, you can't unknow it. Now, you can pretend it. You can put blinders on. But I want to tell you, that person, tell them to put their hand back up there twice. They know the stove is hot. Listen, friend, in a saving faith, we know Jesus. We believe the truth of Jesus. We trust Jesus. And praise the Lord, when we do that, we are saved in the power of God. And praise the Lord, at that point, we are then kept saved in the power of God. When you know, you know. And when you know, you're saved in the power of God and you're kept saved in the power of God. Why does it matter? We're about to wrap it up. Why does it matter? Now, the first thing I would tell you is I believe it changes the nature of salvation. If you have to do works to stay saved, that's not our gospel, is it? Our gospel says we're saved not of any work. We're saved in the grace and the power and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so first thing, why does it matter? I believe it changes the nature of salvation. But let me go further than that. Why does it matter? Some of you know what I'm about to talk about. Some of you have walked these roads. Do you know what Satan wants? Satan wants you to worry about your salvation. Satan wants you to wonder about your salvation. Satan wants you to fret about it. He wants you to stew about it. And he wants you someday to say, well, I feel so guilty over the sins that I have committed. And there's no way I could be saved and commit these sins. And I can't believe I did this thing, but I know I did them. And there's no way I'm saved. And I, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to perish when I die. And I'm worried about that. Or you know what? If I were saved, I can't be saved any longer. Look at the grievousness of my sin. And you start to worry about your salvation. You start to wonder about your salvation. What if I don't have that level of faith? And what if it peters off sometimes when things get hard? And I don't know if I'm saved. And I don't, I don't know if I've done enough things. Things. Satan wants you to worry and wonder about your faith. But be very sure, here's the good news. God doesn't play that game. Do you know that? He makes it plain in his word. Isn't that just like him? He makes it plain in his word. He seals us and fills us with the Holy Spirit of God. He gives us the testimony of scripture by faith in Jesus we are saved. Remember the definition this morning, delivered from danger unto safety. By faith in Jesus, we are delivered from danger unto safety. If you are saved, you are saved. By his power and in his grace, it is finished in Christ and it is settled in faith. It is finished in Christ. It is settled in faith. We can be sure Walking out of here tonight, once a person is saved, they are always saved. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I'm going to end right there tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Every week, I think, if I weren't a Baptist, I'd be one tonight. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we are thankful for a salvation not earned, can't earn it, not based on lineage, not based on reputation, praise the Lord, but secured in the finished work of a gracious, loving Savior, Jesus, who though he is God, 
Seize us, seize our helpless estate, seize our sin and our turmoil, seize that we are perishing, walking to eternal death, and comes himself and pays our price, finishes it, says it himself, it is finished, and by faith and grace offers it to us, a sinful people. Lord, I'm thankful that we're saved in the grace of God. I'm thankful we're saved in the finished work of Christ, and Lord, I'm thankful that I can take your word that you saved me, and that in your grace and in your power and in your kindness, you keep me saved. Lord, I'm sorry when I sin. Lord, help me to walk in a way that pleases you, that points to you. But I'm thankful that I can trust it is finished in Christ and it is settled in faith. Praise the Lord for that. Lord, I pray that we'll be a church that embraces that, a church that teaches that, a, a, a church in a world that's wishy-washy that will stand on that. And Lord, I'm thankful we have that truth. I, I'm thankful for this day again. We praise you for it. We're thankful for the week that's coming up. I pray as we march into it, we go with our heads up high, and we go to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for, for the folks that are gathered in this room. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, give them wisdom, use them. I pray for those that are listening in some other way tonight. Bless them, use them as well. And we just tell you, Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.